Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I'm joined by a former teammate. He's a 19-year big league veteran. Mac played with my pops in Anaheim before we got together in Seattle. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, he currently does the pre and post game uh, analysis for the Texas Rangers. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark McLemore. Mac, thanks for coming on the Boone oh. Podcast. Did you ever believe that you'd be coming on the Boone Podcast one day? Never. First of all, back in the day, what was a podcast? Uh, and number two, you doing something like this. <laughs> it's crazy. <isn't> it? <laughs> Who's a better teammate, me or my dad? <laughs> you gonna put me on the spot right it's, off it's, the bat? Well, I, f- <laughs> I figure you'll you know you'll spin it into something positive for everybody. <laughs> I learned a lot from pops, and it was different with you. But don't tell him you were. Pops yes, was that, pops was that veteran guy, you know. So me coming up as a young kid, I, all I did was listen. That was it. <laughs> you know. I was, uh, I'm going through this before I'm going to have Mac on the program. I'm thinking it is pretty unique because I played against a lot of guys uh, that played with dad, you know, when I was first, when I first got to the big leagues, but I never, me and you were the only teammates that you were teammates with him as well. The rest of them were never teammates with my dad. They just, (laughs) they knew him and they played, played against him. Um, How about, how about this? You played with both of us. Once again, you're in a unique position and the only one that can truly answer this. How would 1986 Bob Boone and 2001 Brett Boone, how would we get along as teammates? (laughs) That's a a pretty good question. Yes. Pretty good question. I will say this. I think you guys would have been fine. I really do because Pops had had a, a, a passion for the game. Uh, the intensity was there, and yeah, he could be he could be that rah rah guy in the dugout at times, and you're the same way. And I think the, the the common denominator there is really the passion for the game, going out there playing it hard. The results might not always end up the way that you want them, but you guys have that same passion to go out there and leave it all out there. Whatever happens, happens. I was thinking about it. I'm like, what was my dad like as a teammate? Because I, I was around as a kid, you know, running around in Philly. As I got a little bit older in, in the Anaheim years, you know, I was in high school. I was off playing baseball, doing my own thing. So I, I wasn't around as much. But I'm trying to think of dad. Dad, I, I always had <clears throat> a high level of respect for him, how he carried himself, how he went mm-hmm. about his business. And, and that's the one thing that I learned from him professionally you know, because when I came up, I was always, well, <clears throat> you know, it must have been an advantage being the son of, I said, well, I, I don't, I don't see any negatives to it. But at the same time, dad didn't teach me how to hit. Dad didn't teach me how to uh, field. He didn't teach me how to play, he, but he, he was an example of, of how to be a pro. And, and that's what I got from him. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think about him and I'm thinking he was probably like a Dan Wilson kind of. 
who I got, who I got along with tremendously, Dan, you know, we were the opposites personality wise, but I'd still come to the ballpark every day. And Dan would look at me and say, Booney, how do you do it? I'd say, I don't know, Dano, how do you do it? And then we'd go back and forth, but we had a great relationship. It's kind of, and we're going to get into that old one team. It's kind of that, that, that team was special, special group of guys still to this day. You know, it's, it's something I, I never have. We, 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 and you more than me, 19 years in the big leagues, you played with a lot of different teams, a lot of different teammates, but I think we'll probably both agree that, that, uh, 2001, uh, pretty, pretty special group of guys. Oh, there's no question, man. You know, I talk about it all the time. Whenever somebody brings it up, a smile just comes to my face because that's all there is. I think the only negative obviously was we didn't win the whole thing, but just going through that season, how things went, how they turned out, looking at the individual performances of different guys, and then the collective uh, effort that we put out there. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. And people ask me all the time, well, you know, was it, what did it feel like? How was it? And, for me, there were so many different feelings, the, but the one that we that I tell everybody that we all felt was we knew we were going to win every day and not necessarily in a cocky way, but just having that belief that we were going to win no matter what. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it was. It, 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 I, I talk about it all the time. It wasn't from an arrogant place. It was just kind of a. Okay, guys, we don't know why. There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, right. we were a good team. We were a really good team. But there's no rhyme or reason that we won that many games. I don't know if any team in the history of baseball is 116 <laughs> win good. It, isn't it funny when every year it starts off and <clears throat> and you do your work with the Texas Rangers, but you see this team, whatever, in April or May, and, and I'm sure you get the question. Like I do. Hey, do, yeah, do you think they're going to break your record? <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Come talk to me in September. Exactly. It was, September. it was it was the Dodgers a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Yankees a couple years ago got off to an unbelievable start. And they're like, 116. I said, 116? What are you talking about? That'll <laughs> never happen again in our lifetime. But like you, I, I do the same thing. It, it was such a special season. But there's a negative connotation to it now when people speak of it. And that kind of that kind of sucks for us. But it is yeah. what it is, you know, because the ex- when you set those expectations so high, this is the way life is. It's yeah. like you better win. You're going to win 116. That's great. But you haven't done anything till you win the World Series, which is true in a lot of in a lot of, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I think about it. But, man, yeah, it's. It's tough. We still got that. You know, I can't believe we yeah. didn't finish the deal. And and I still remember that bus in New York uh, when we lost that series to the Yankees and just kind of looking around at my teammates and think it, it was almost like we were stunned. Like that didn't yeah. just really happen. It's that's not how the script goes. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly it. I, and even to this day, I'm like, you know, I go back, I look, I think about it. And I'm like, how did we not? We played the Yankees well all year long. I believe we won the season series. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, we weren't um, as good during the postseason as we were all season long. And that just didn't happen all year. So it, it's still it's still stunning to me. But that's, you know, part of the other time throughout my career. Like people say, well, you won 116 games. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's great. But we all – None of us signed up to be on a team to you know, have won the you know most games. Everybody's goal is to win the World Series. 
So in right. my mind, it's always been anything short of that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean it was a successful season. The goal is to win the World Series, and if you don't do that, then you, you didn't succeed. So it's kind of bittersweet for me. All right, I need to apologize. This uh, I've been doing. I've done a lot of podcasts. The, the name Mark Lacklemore has come up on on a lot of occasions, but it is the Boone. <laughs> it is the Boone podcast. Okay, and you knew I was going to bring this up. I did. For those out there uh, watching, listening to the Boone podcast right now, Mark Lacklemore is the is the man responsible for coining the phrase the Boone. So, and I went by that for a lot of years during my playing days, and it was funny. I mean, once he started doing that, it kind of it kind of had a life of its own. People in the city, I'd go to lunch, and people, the Boone's here. All my friends, uh, you know, I'd go to a golf tournament. The Boone's here. It all stemmed from Mark Mclemore, and I tell the story, and maybe I don't do it justice. But I want Mac. Uh, he truly is the guy that named me the Boone. He played with my dad, and and uh, I'm going to let him tell it. But he says your dad was Booney, and that's why I came up with this. Mac, take it from there. <laughs> well, after you know playing with your dad the years that I did first coming up, being in you know big league camp and watching him do his thing, I mean everybody called him Booney, 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 and you know I knew about you and Aaron, uh, but hey, it's. Boone in the big leagues at that time, who knew everybody, you know, that you guys were going to come along, be in the big leagues and be the players that you were going to be. But so for me, Bob Boone, Big Boone, that's, well, actually your grandfather was Big Boone. So I got to see right. him on a few occasions. He was Big Boone and then there was Booney. And it's like, okay, well, you can't be Big Boone. You can't be Boone or Booney. That's the Boone right there. So that's pretty much how that how that came up. I, I have no idea. I just thought about it pretty much right there on the spot because I just kept hearing Booney, Booney. That's not right. That's that's not, you know, that's not the original. We got to go with the original one that I know. He's got that name. I had to give you something else. And, and it really was. I remember the time I was doing an interview and Mac just kind of <laughs> I had a bunch of press <laughs> around after a game. And, I, and I'm just I'm doing these interviews and Mac just like it's like you came out of nowhere. You poked your head up and, and you said something to one of the one of the guys asked me a question. He goes, by the way, don't call him Booney. That ain't Booney. His dad's Booney. He said, that is the Boon. And then he popped his head out and went about his business, went to the weight room or the trading trading room or wherever you were going. But it was amazing because people it caught on in Seattle and everywhere I went, it was like the boon. Hey, the boon. My teammates, my teammates started calling me that. You know, the get the, the we can start here. now. We can, play. We can start now. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. And and to be honest with you, I had a good time with it. You know, I was at a point in my career where you know I'd been through a lot. I've been through some great seasons, some tough seasons, but but uh I, you know, I had an appreciation for what we were going through that year. My year, uh, personally, team team year also was like we had a lot of fun on that team. You know, uh, but I, I didn't I didn't take for granted that this was something that 
that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But we had fun with it. So Mac, when I'd come to the ballpark, he's, what's the boon got for me today? Well, the boons. <laughs> well, I was watching this video, Mac, and, and if I see what I'm seeing, he's gonna need it. He, he's gonna need an L screen because he's in trouble today. <laughs> all the boon says he's in trouble. You know, so we had fun with it. And and once again, it, it was that theme that we talked at the top. It wasn't from an arrogant place. It was from a mm-hmm. fun place. And yeah. that's what that team was about. Everybody, there were so many different little clicks going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, Poppy over in the corner, Dan Wilson, Big Rude coming in with his backpack. David Bell being the weird friend that he is, <laughs> <laughs> turning his light off at the end of the night and saying, See you tomorrow, Boone. <laughs> and and it was Akazahiro Sasaka was my Sasaki was my was my uh locker mate after he'd come in at a long save and he'd be sweating. He'd be like, Kaz, what's wrong with you? You been in the sauna? No, I, I just I just sweat. I just sweat. So a lot of that that that, that was so that was so cool. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it really it really was. And I think that's what I miss the most, the camaraderie, the competition, but the things that most fans don't get to see, that's the bus rides, the plane rides, being in the clubhouse, off days, going to play golf, renting out a, a restaurant for everybody to come have dinner, which, by the way, every time that happened, everybody showed up, which was something. Yeah, that that's seen. a rarity. Yes, didn't see that. So anytime there was a family, uh, a, a, a family dinner or whatever, Every teammate was there. And for me, that was just like amazing. But every single time. And I think that's one of the things that really helped us all get uh, just that much closer. And even to this day, I think that that helped everybody uh, form that special bond that we all have. It is true. Uh, I played on uh, we both played on a bunch of different teams. And I have I've, to be honest with you, most of the guys that you play with they're good guys. Now I've been on teams where you get along with everybody, but after the game, you, you pick your friends and you go to dinner who you want to go to dinner with. I mean, that's just the way it is. And uh, you're right. That's the one team where we got along so good. I wouldn't have minded to go to dinner one-on-one with anybody on that roster. That's, and that's saying something, you know, that uh, for, for, for 25 guys, to get along like that, pretty remarkable. Very rare. You, you just don't see it. And like you said, we all could go one-on-one. And even though we would, you know, we're stretching and we've got our different clicks or whatever, those clicks switched up all the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was just one group or just the relievers here and the starters over there and infielders and outfielders. You had your, your you know, your guys that, you know, okay, most of the, that click would always be, but then there were times where it would just switch. It didn't matter. You'd walk up, oh, just sit down here and whatever, and just have a blast, man. And especially after games, mm-hmm. sitting around, talking baseball, figuring out what's going on, sitting in your locker like, I don't know how that guy got me out. I don't know what he had. There's no reason for him to get me out. I'm embarrassed. I'm, you know, just having yeah. fun. I was embarrassed today. What? what, what somebody's going to pay tomorrow. But just having that kind of attitude and and the camaraderie, it was just, man, that, that team will always hold a special place for me. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month. 
like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I want to do, keeping with the theme of that team, uh, I want to do a little rapid fire with you. Whatever comes to your mind, could be a sentence, could be a paragraph. Let's just start off and let's go with uh, Edgar Martinez. Obviously, you know, one of my favorites. An absolute professional, just a professional hitter. And I, and I joke with him all the time, and especially then. Um, man, you've messed up so many hitters in your career. You have no idea how many hitters you just absolutely sent home because he made look, you know, what he did look easy. So that meant guys were going to try to hit like Edgar because, hey, right. he can do it and I, I, I'm going to try it. There's no way. There's nobody that could hit the way that Edgar could hit. He, he went to went to work every single day, went about his business and doing probably one of the toughest um, jobs in baseball. And that's being DH. So being able to keep yourself mentally engaged when you're not going out there on the field every inning. And then for him to do it for so long, so successfully, but watching the things that he went through each and every day on how he prepared himself uh, before a game, during the game, making adjustments, and after the game, uh, just an incredible professional. Big Rude, John Olerud. Wow. Quiet intensity right there. Definite quiet intensity. Uh, Watching Rude. Same expression all the time. Doesn't, doesn't matter if he's 0 for 10, which I don't know he was ever 0 for 10. But if he win a game or two without a knock, or if he had eight hits in two games, same guy. Day in, day out. But, man, was he intense. So quite intensity for him. Ichiro. Wow. New for all of us, right? I remember yes. I was I was in the, uh, the preseason, you know, Mariners do the commercials and before I'd even talk to him, I've got a Jersey on my back that says Brett because Ichiro, it it was the play on words that Ichiro was going to go by Ichiro, not Suzuki Mm -hmm. on his back. So we did that, that (laughs) funny commercial, but uh, early Ichiro funny. I tell people all the time, uh, he knows more than you think. And he's got that dry sense of humor. He's very charming. All right. Your take on Ichiro. Uh, I'd have to go the same thing. I think, you know, people ask me if there's one thing that I would have to say about him. Everybody knows what a great player he was. So that's that's a given. But I like sharing, you know, what a guy's like when he's not on TV playing the game. Like you said, funny. People have no idea the kind of sense of humor that Ichiro has. So after I retired, I think I probably saw him maybe two years later. I was – Covering the game, I was actually covering the game in Seattle. First time he saw me, Frank Thomas. Hey, Frank Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, I know I'm fat now, but I'm not Frank Thomas. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I got to give it to him. So to this day, when he sees me, Frank Thomas. <laughs> so That's pretty good. Have no idea how funny this guy is. <laughs> uh, Another another one of our favorites, uh, Mike Cameron. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cammy was my partner in crime, Matt, keeping that clubhouse loose. Bro, I am trying to tell you. Uh, couldn't wait to go on the road for him to grab that mic on the bus, the plane, wherever. 
Um, man, I've got a few for him. Superman number one. Uh, this guy loves to play the game. I don't know if there is one word or phrase that, uh, uh, well, great teammate. Yeah. No matter what, he wants you to succeed. Uh, he wants the team to succeed. Uh, he wants to contribute. If he doesn't, he's pissed about it, which is great. But just a very gregarious guy. He's always wanting to have fun. Very rarely did you see him with his head down. Always got a great, a, a kind word to say to somebody. Last, I, I think you probably have a feeling who it's going to be. Our skipper, Lou Pinella. Oh, man, one of the one of the greatest people I've ever met. I love his intensity, the years playing against him. Well, first of all, watching him, you know, growing up as a kid with the Yankees and do his thing. Uh, I just loved his all-out play. Played hard, run you over, dust you off, take you to dinner, come back, kick your butt again the next day. That kind of guy. But and, and as manager, watching him from the other side, man, I loved how he stood for his players. It didn't matter. And then if they messed up, uh, which uh, at the time a lot of them did, especially the pitching staffs, he'd go off on them. But he just wanted you to come out there, number one, be on time, play hard, and that's it. Go play. You don't need any instructions. You know how to play the game. Go do it. I tell people this all the time. As old as I am right now, if Lou called and said, Mac, I need you to suit up, I'm there. I'm gone. I'm ready to go. Yeah. As, as old as it, old and broken down as this body is, I'd go play for him until I couldn't until I couldn't move again. It, Lou, Lou was such a big part uh, of our, you know, and and pretty much for the next couple years. Oh, two, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we won ninety some games and didn't get to the playoffs. Oh, uh, three, we had another good year as a team and didn't get to play. But Lou always kind of he he. <laughs> The thing I appreciated about Lou is that roster, the way it was set. He let everybody know where they stood, and it's like, mm -hmm. all right, we're going to do here, 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 and here. Uh, I think of I think of that team and and uh, the great years. A lot of guys had career years. That was a reason that we were as good as we were. Uh, but I think about the Dan Wilsons, uh, who who was the rock of that pitching staff, who, mm -hmm. who kept those guys intact. I always think of a Mark McElmore who played like seven positions. Uh, I think of a Stan Javier who was yeah. so important yes. to that clubhouse and the role he played. Uh, you know, I remember that that was a year where I, who would I go to? I'd go to Mark McElmore. I go to Stan Javier. If I want to get a, a tell a sign, Hey, is this guy tipping his pitches or, or Mac would come to me and go, Booney, you want to know the pitches? All right. This is what they are. I'd be like, Mac, I'd be like, Mac, you're sure. And there were seriously though, there are only certain guys because I wasn't good at that. That wasn't my thing, pitching, picking up tendencies, pitches. Uh, but if Mark McAmore or Stan Javier give me that, I, I know that's golden. I know mm -hmm. I can trust that um, because I'd be at second base. And yeah, for all you guys listening, yes, I, I did give a sign or two out there. That's part <laughs> of the game. That's what we did. I did but, it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you were, I, I still talk about it to this day. There's teammates uh, that I played with through the years and there's always one or two or three, whatever team I was on that they have a knack. And if, mm -hmm. if, if Mac would come to me and say, Booney, if I get on second, I got the signs. I would always trust you. Now, if I got on second, man, I, that's when I used to sweat. Cause I know what the sign is, but it's like, man, I know what it's like being in that ribby position. I don't want to give the wrong side. Cause I'm not good at this. This isn't, this isn't my, uh, this isn't my sweet spot. But uh, I don't know. That that, I, that was I, such I, a special team. 
I, I absolutely loved it. And, you know, your dad actually helped me with that, getting to the big leagues. Because in the minor leagues, it, you know, the signs, they're not that, you know, not that intricate, not that difficult. Uh, even in the big leagues. But actually getting to the big leagues, first of all, having different types of things that I'd never had in the minor leagues, you know, uh, first sign after the last out, that, that that kind of thing we didn't do at the minor league level. So getting there, getting to big league camp and checking out your dad and how he did things, how he hid signs so only the middle infielders can get it, not the guys at first or third, uh, just how to go with different sequences, what to expect, when to expect it. So I learned a lot from him. Then I got the opportunity to play with Cal Ripken and learned a ton more about not just second base or shortstop, but everything, the entire field, what everybody was, ex where they were supposed to be, when they expected, when they're supposed to be there, all of those things. So really becoming a, a student of the game and figuring out how to steal signs. Oh my God, that was just, I did it all the time. I couldn't help myself going, to, going and watching my boys play. I'm stealing signs. Yeah, my wife would just look well, at it, me. It, just it's me, an underrated stop. thing. I mean, it's like a it's like a skill set. I mean, it's yes. like the the sixth tool, <laughs> the ability to steal signs. And there were guys when I was in Cincinnati. You know who was really good at it? Uh, now on Sunday Night Baseball, Eduardo Perez. Yeah, he he was an extra. He was a pinch hitter. Uh, played first base for that for those Reds teams. And I mean, that's what he did. Mac, I'd come to the ballpark and go, Booney, I've been watching video for two hours. This night, tonight, this guy, and he was right on. So everybody'd be there with Eduardo. He was so valuable, you know, mm -hmm. not what he did just on the field, but behind the scenes, what he did was so valuable. Yeah. It it, it really it, it helps. It was part of the game. You mm -hmm. know, you know, using cameras or whatever. Yes, occasionally, but if I'm on the field, I'm going to pick it whether I'm at first or third, not just second base. I'm going to figure out what that cat, what that pitcher and catcher's, uh, you know, combination is somehow, and hopefully, in two pitches. And that was the goal. You know, I, I learned it from so many different guys, and I think one of the things I, I know I had the benefit of was number one, coming up with a veteran team, but also throughout the minor league level, having uh, former big leaguers as my coaches and managers coming all the way through. So being able to, you know, know what I'm supposed to look for, especially being an infielder, hey, Cookie Rojas, uh, Bert Campanaris, Sandy Alomar Sr. How can you not, you know, how can you go wrong by being taught by those guys? So they gave me those different sequences to look for, and here's what's going to happen here. This is what's going to happen. And even pitchers. Uh, Don Sutton was one of those guys that, you know, got me into that rhythm, you know, thinking along with the pitcher and catcher, not just being out there and reacting, but anticipating and, you know, all those different things. So I, I tell people all the time, man, how blessed I was to come up with a group like that. Uh, and then also at the minor league level being taught by not just big leaguers that played a year or two in the big leagues. I mean, all those guys played 15 years at their position. So some really, really good ones. Something interesting about, about Mark McLemore played in, uh, at the time back, back in, you know, back 20 years ago, uh, the American league West was composed of four teams mm -hmm. and it was Texas. It was Anaheim. It was Oakland. It was Seattle. You played for all four, but you also played for Houston. Who's now the fifth team in the American league West. <laughs> so little fun thing. I thought I'd do give me, uh, give me something. We're going to do another little, little, uh, rapid fire. We're going to oh. go with, Oakland, ballpark, city, vibe. 
Whew. Ballpark used to be nice, one of the best. Love the speaker system. That was probably the best thing about it, the pregame music before, uh, you know, during batting practice. Um, city, not all that great. Vibe, mm, on a scale no. of one to five, uh, minus four, because it was really nothing. You had to go to San Francisco. That's where everything was. Um, team, 80s, 90s, some of the best players in the game. So playing them, you always had to be on. And then they went through a long lull. But, man, they had some, you know, a couple of groups there that were very special. Anaheim. Oh. Park best City ballpark. vibe. <laughs> park. Best ballpark in the game at the time. I love City, it, too. Eh, not so much. Again, you had to go out of Anaheim to really, you know, go into L.A. basically to really have something. So vibe. Uh, the vibe was actually pretty good because we averaged, I think, maybe 31, 32,000 a game. So that place would, would get to rocking most of the time. Uh, we'll go with Houston. Hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Everything about it. Uh, then the Dome, uh, not my favorite place to play. Uh, the city vibe was actually pretty good, uh, even though the team that when I was there, we weren't all that good. And I, I, I joke with a. Uh, Craig Biggio, that I made him a Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm sure not many people know that I was the second baseman that he replaced. <laughs> that stayed there forever. Uh, so uh, if I had been any good, he might not have ended up at second base right there. Um, so ballpark, zero vibe, probably about four. <laughs> zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hated that one. Go ahead, one go Minute ahead. Maid is good. Minute Maid is good. Yeah. Yeah. Good place to hit. Uh, last, Seattle. Oh no, no, no! We got two more. Seattle. Oh my God! <sighs> special place, special city, vibe off the charts. Uh, our teams, uh, those fans there, top notch. It didn't matter where we went; they were baseball fans. They knew the game. They didn't just. They weren't just uh, front runners jumping on the bandwagon. They were there to support us. So uh, city off the charts, vibe off the charts, team obviously off the charts. And now, and, and you've been involved with the Texas Rangers in, in several capacities. Now you work for them, do the pre and post. Uh, you were a player for them, but also, Mac, you've played in three. No, you probably didn't play in the most recent park, but you've been a part of three ballparks in Arlington, I was a part. I, I've never seen the new one. Yeah. Looks nice on TV. No idea. But uh, I, I, my rookie year, the old ballpark in Arlington was still there, and then the ballpark came in, and now you got a new one. Uh, Texas, uh, Texas Rangers. Oof. Uh, <clears throat> an organization trying to build tradition. Um, so I, I'll give the organization, especially right now. And actually, the, the group that had it, uh, the George Bush group that had it when I was here, um, off the charts. They were they were they were working to be top notch, and I think they got they got there. Uh, the city, the fans <clears throat> are exceptional here too. Uh, they know the game, even though the Cowboys are right next door. The Rangers are not far behind in, in fans' hearts here, uh, and team this year especially. Oh, they're good. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. How is that? How's that yard? How how does it fly compared to the the last ballpark? 
Oh, it doesn't fly out like the last one. No, not far behind. There's not, right. you know, the, that jet stream out to right center. Right field. center, right. Um, you've got to hit it. There's no question. It's not necessarily a pitcher's ballpark. I think, you know, on that scale, it's probably right in the middle of the road. Um, you know, you've got to hit it, especially if you're going to hit it to center field. But for some guys, it just doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter where, where they're playing. It's out wherever. But for me, I think it's a pretty fair ballpark. Uh, let's talk about the AL West. Um <clears throat> Texas, obviously, uh, I've been following them all year. The beginning of the year, you know, Texas has been uh, – we haven't heard from the Texas Rangers in a while. You know, they made the big splash a couple of years ago with bringing on Seager and Simeon to those big contracts. Uh, this year they went out they added Evalde. Gray came over. Uh, and then at the trading deadline, you get Montgomery and Scherzer. It, people aren't talking that much about Montgomery. I think that's a big pickup. I think that gives you a ton of depth in the, in the starting rotation. But I watch his offense, Mac. And top to bottom, I mean, if Seager could stay healthy, uh, and Otani's not on this earth, Seager's an MVP, you know. He, he's having that type of year. Uh, but top to bottom, I'm watching Garcia and, and Haim and Jung. Uh, I know got hurt. Uh, Duran stepped in when Seager's out. And now you got to find a place for him when Seager's back. It's just, it, it seemed like they've been clicking on all cylinders. You went out, you made the big move. You brought in the teddy bear, Bruce Bochy, who I got to play for in San Diego and, and love him to death. Uh, tell me what you're seeing. You see these guys on a day-to-day basis. Uh, what are you seeing? We'll talk a little bit about the West and the two teams, especially Houston and Seattle chasing them. I'll tell you what, this is a, spe- this is a special team. Uh, and Chris Young, the general manager, the best move that he made for me was getting the teddy bear. And in order to get the teddy bear to come out of retirement, he really had, they really had to lay out a plan uh, that I think Bochy would feel was a doable plan. So you get him out of retirement, then you go get Simeon, you get Seager in the same offseason. That is a really, really good start, uh, a great start. You've just solidified the middle of your infield for the next at least seven years was uh you know the original contract for uh at least Simeon and then 10 for Seeger. So you've solidified the middle of, the, of your infield, you go out, you identify the pitchers that you want and then you go and get them. I think everybody can go out and identify hey, who the top free agents are and you know say put them on their wish list. But to be able to go out there and get those guys to pull that off to get a Jacob DeGrom this past winter to get uh, Nathan Evaldi, who I think is uh, definitely underrated among fans, but definitely not against his peers. Everybody knows what he can do and uh, he'll get back in that rotation pretty soon. But being able to put a team together with uh, Bochi being the manager, like you said, you played for him. I watched and played against him for years. So knowing the kind of manager he is, number one, he doesn't panic. Number two, he's got that quiet intensity, too. He can, he can turn that teddy bear into a grizzly bear in a heartbeat. But he just knows the game, and more importantly, he knows his personnel. So having, you know, being able to push that button to get Duran out there and getting those consistent bats for him to do what he did the five weeks that Corey Seager was out, huge. And then even now, being able to weather this five-game losing streak, first time they've won five or lost five games in a row all season long, guiding them through that, just watching his demeanor. I talked about it on the show last night. That is so huge. The first person you're looking to when you come in that clubhouse, the manager. 
where's his head? What, you know, is he hot today? Is he pissed off? Is he good? Is he calm? Is he, you know, up or down? All of those things uh, Bochi brings, and then he just it just trickles down through the organization. So with him doing what he's doing, the players this organization's put together, it's, it's been a really exciting season. And I know, you know, it leads down to one and a half, technically two games, but we've all seen it. We've all seen it, you know, six weeks to go, two months to go. Somebody's going into a slump or a hot streak. And then whatever that is, it switches back up again. And so watching Houston and the Rangers, you know, kind of go through it a little bit. And Seattle just absolutely catching on fire. I think they're at, what, seven in a row now. Uh, watching them bring it all close. This is fun. A, a lot of fun. Well, the Seattle team, and, and you get to see them. Uh, well, this year's the first year they have the the, uh, the the schedule that's not heavy-weighted for your division. Right. So you're not seeing them as much as you have in the past. But you've been watching them the last couple of years. That's a talented young pitching staff that Seattle Ooh. Mariner ball, ball Club has. That bullpen's really good. That Now they get they gave away Seawald at the, at the trading mm-hmm. deadline. They're closer, and they lost a few games. But you're right. They're on fire. I'm watching them right now. They won. They rattled off, I think, eight in a row. Then they had three heartbreakers. They lost two to Baltimore, one to Kansas City, both extra inning games, and now they've won seven in a row. I think they've won something ridiculous like 17 out of their last 20 or 16 of the last 20, and they put themselves in position, and they haven't been all year. If the season ended today, they're in. They're in that wild card spot along with Houston, and uh, the Texas still at the top of that division. I think it's going to be – it, it, interesting because I don't discount the Houston factor. Houston just, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't been talking about them all year. Texas has been the, the Rangers have been the story. You know, Houston's right. been the story for seven years and they've been mm-hmm. running second to Texas all year. So they're not getting talked about as much. It kind of like the Dodgers over there in the National League. Right. Not getting talked, but quietly, they just rattled off 17 out of 20 as well. And mm-hmm. nobody's paying attention. We're paying attention to the, to the Orioles that are having an unbelievable year. Uh, race in the National League Central, uh, Cincinnati and Cubs have both haven't been in the picture for a long time. So there's a lot of interesting headlines in Major League Baseball right now, but everybody's kind of, nobody's saying anything about Houston. Who knows? Maybe this is the year they don't make a lot of noise. But uh, break down your what you're seeing from the Houston Astros and from the Seattle Mariners. For me, I, I, I'm not sure that Seattle is actually just quite there just yet i think they're hot right now and not necessarily good but going into postseason it's th- it's going to be not just a good team because everybody that gets there is good it's going to be the hot team who's playing the best we we both have been there and we've been through that we may have been the best we didn't we didn't finish it that year so right now i think seattle's kind of hot i think they'll cool off but for me it for a while it's been texas and houston houston is going to be there in the end the Rangers had a 10-game lead on them at one point. And I think maybe Seattle's probably been as far back as 14, if I remember correctly. So it always changes throughout the year, and you can't start crowning people at the All-Star break because there's so many things that can happen. An injury to a key guy. Uh, your team just doesn't play well for whatever reason. Uh, your guys that are supposed to you know, be your horses can't get the job done. So there are a lot of different things that can go wrong. But for this Rangers club, man, uh, these guys go out there, they compete every single day. Even when they, you know, they're going through a little lull like this, it only takes one swing. 
for all of that to change one great outing by a starter or a reliever to step up and shut down a, you know a game or two here it just takes one thing but for me the rangers are going to be there houston's a veteran team they've won it before they've got dusty baker they've got uh, their full lineup back, uh, Alvarez, Altuve, Bregman. Pena's done a, a fantastic job at short. Uh, DeBron has filled in at, at a couple of spots, especially when Altuve was out early in the year. So um, they've got a really good team. I just know at the end they will be there. And who knows, the Mariners might hang on. But for me, I think it's going to come down to the last couple of weeks of the season, uh, especially with us and the Mariners, because we play the Mariners seven out of the last ten. So that, that's going to be an interesting 10 days. We're going to see what teams are going to be, you know, what they're made of. And I don't see the Mariners really falling back to 10 back. So those last couple of weeks is going to be a really, really important time. And you mentioned he'll be back eventually. But they, I, I think the key to this Rangers team and the key to that rotation especially is, yeah, you got Scherzer in place now. Montgomery's there. Gray's been done a great job for you all year but it's it's Evaldi is the x factor for me if you can put at the top of the rotation a postseason uh pitching well Evaldi scherzer uh one two that's as tough as it gets for me and now the only team that i think uh can can counter that and be better they're over in the other league and that's the atlanta braves top to yeah. bottom they're Ooh. ridiculous you know from from offense defense uh pitching staff top to bottom that bullpen they, they don't have a weakness so other than the Braves I, I've been watching the Rangers all year and especially offensively I mean they're a fun team to watch top to bottom they just they rank so should be interesting I think uh I, I'm pretty much with you on all time I might the only thing I, I disagree with a little bit I think that the Mariners as an offense very mediocre very average with the exception of you know Julio who, who's that star that he's going to be a star for 10 years, a superstar in this game. I think it's pretty ordinary other than that. They got some power, but that young pitching staff, that Kirby yes. and, and, and Gilbert and Castillo, who who's kind of the young veteran at the top of that staff, he anchors the staff. I don't know. I think they can give a lot of people problems. So you never know. I watched that Phillies team a year ago uh, come from out of nowhere, and they were two wins away from winning the World Series. So you're right. It's the hot team. It's not necessarily the best team. It's who's hot at the right time. A little different than when mm -hmm. we both came back into the league, you know, where it was tough to get to the postseason. Yeah. yeah. Now it's not that tough to get there. It's just once you get there, there's landmines all over the place. Everywhere. And you never know who's coming out of where, step up and have a great game. Maybe some guy out of the bullpen that you had no idea was going to do it and get it done. Or you a guy hitting eighth or ninth, you know, gets the job done. So, yeah, it's a little bit different. A lot of fun. Uh, especially, I, I do. I kind of like this format where you have more teams in it longer. I'm not so sure about you know having 62 teams uh, going at it the playoffs, but just having more teams that are into it, you know, going into September, you know, unlike us when we kind of shut things down and or you know shut the rest of the league down by August. <laughs> so, right. Right. Uh, this, this, it's going to be interesting, a fun year. Well, I think you're right too, and I think it's. Uh... From a fan's perspective, from a city's perspective, you know, 30 years ago, uh, three quarters of baseball, the city, the cities were an ML, have an MLB club. They'd be talking football right now. Right. But because of the new format, I mean, 70, it, it just kind of flipped it. 75% of the teams are in this race right now, where yeah. back in the day, 25 teams would be. So I think for the good of the game, 
the visibility, the optics, I think it's a great format. Yeah. But the only thing yeah. I don't like as a purist is it, it kind of cheapens that 162, you know? That mm-hmm. 162 used to be, uh, that was a coveted thing. Like, well, we're yes. going to find out who the best team is because we're going to see over 162 who comes out on top, and that's not the case anymore. But right. it's 2023, and it's a different era, and who knows in 2063 what it's going to be like. Uh, Mac. I appreciate you coming on the program, man. A lot of fun. It was great catching catching up at the All-Star game. Give my best to the family. Uh, Love you. And and this is a lot of fun. Let's stay in in touch, and and I'm sure I'll see you down the road here soon. Uh, For those of you watching the Boone Podcast on YouTube, wherever you watch it, or listening to the Boone Podcast, I appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time. 